At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. Um... You know, Coach T had it, you know, kind of put us up on the board, me specifically, um, a lot in front of the team meeting. You know, that, that never feels good. So, Kendrick Green speaking the truth about the Steelers' offensive line against the Jacksonville Jaguars last weekend. So now, how do they fix it? Well, we discussed that shortly here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. I am Tim Benz. This is the CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers online sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect BetRivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little spice to your game with same-game parlays at BetRivers Online Sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and make your baseball same game parlays today. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Let's start with baseball. My under hit with the Braves. The run line did not against the Pirates. So if you spent the money to make the money and took them straight, good for you. A good start for Contreras for the Buckos. Just a two run home run allowed. Jake Odorizzi. 7 Ks, no walks, and just that moonshot of a homer from O'Neill Cruz. It was twice as high as it was far, and yet it still almost went out of the park. JT Brubaker, Max Freed. Brubaker has been better lately today. That's the matchup. Brubaker, 13 Ks in his last 12 innings. 
just 15 hits and two earned runs allowed. Uh, got the win last time out against the Red Sox. That snapped a start of six straight appearances without a victory for him. Freed, meanwhile, 11 and 4, 260 ERA, wildly consistent. Three earned runs or less every start since June 14th. The Pirates got him for eight hits when they faced him earlier this year. However, only one run in six innings, and the Braves won. Braves at minus 250. Pirates at plus 215, the over-under at 7.5, slightly to the over at minus 117, the under is at minus 103. I don't know what to tell you here. I hate all these lines. I I think they're just so spot on. Uh, I lean under. I mean, the Braves on the money line, maybe I'll try the run line again, see how that goes, but it's still minus 143 to win by a run and a half. Uh, I guess I go... Braves on the run line, and I edge to the under, but none of those are really singing to me on the Bucko game against Atlanta. I gave you the Rays as a winner last night, but everything else I fanned on. Of course, the Yankees find their stride against the Mets and Scherzer. Of, of course they do. That stayed under, though, I believe, with six. Yeah, it did. Um, the Dodgers, they lost to the Brewers, too. I missed on that one. So split to bad on the night for me when it comes to baseball. Tonight, I love the Giants in Detroit with Rodon pitching. I want a parlay partner with them at minus 215, but I'll take it. Verlander is at minus 305 against the Twins. Dylan Cease against the Orioles at minus 137. I don't love either of those games because I like the opponent more than I do the odds, if you know what I mean. Like, I wouldn't make the odds that big against the Twins. I wouldn't make the odds that big against the Orioles, who are so good as an underdog, have been all year. Um, Like I said yesterday, when it comes to those minus 300 games, they've been brutal killers this year. So maybe you just go big on the Giants tonight alone. If you want to do a three-game on Radon, Verlander, and Cease, the White Sox, Giants, and Houston, that payoff comes back at plus 238. The other team I like today is Tampa with Kluber against the Angels. Jose Suarez is on the mound as the opponent. The Rays are minus 177. I'd go with Tampa and the Giants by themselves. If you want to parlay those two together, it's a plus 131 payoff. Uh, Actually, now that I look at it, the Giants are minus 122 on the run line. Give me that and give me Tampa. Football now, the Steelers are minus four and a half point favorites against the Lions. Take them. Goff isn't starting for Detroit, so I think that's an easy call, and the Steelers will play their starters at least for a half, and Dan Campbell was the one to point that out. Is he supposed to say that, that he talked to Tomlin about it? Is he allowed? Anyway, that's what he said. Starting a line being in may keep the over-under down uh, when I think about it because the O-line has been so bad so we'll get to that momentarily. But yeah, the starting old line staying in for the Steelers for two and a half doesn't resonate with me like there's going to be points. I mean, look at last week against Jacksonville. And the Steelers starters have been so blurred having played so little. I think you're going to see good players play late in the second quarter. Or you'll see, like, for instance, Mason Rudolph against third team defenders, as you saw against Jacksonville. And look how that turned out. So give me the Steelers. Give me the over at 39.5. It costs minus 108. It's minus 113 on the under. So, yeah, I'll, I'll lean over there. And I do like the Steelers at 4.5. Tampa at plus 5.5 in case Brady plays. Maybe get in on that now and we'll see. And if, even if he does play, he won't be playing all that long. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll lean towards the Bucks. 
for another game that I'm looking at in the preseason. But back to the Steelers and the offensive line. It's a little deep in the calendar to address concerns with the offensive line now, at least in terms of a personnel overhaul. High-quality offensive linemen aren't often available in the open market to step right in and start for a new franchise in late August. The occasional receiver might be a backup running back or quarterback, perhaps a rotational pass rusher or veteran help in the secondary, but searching for multiple answers along the offensive line at this late stage is like looking for milk or toilet paper at Giant Eagle after the first Pittsburgh snowfall forecast of the year. Occasionally, you can nab a Flozell Adams for a season like the Steelers did in 2010, but even he signed in late July, not late August. You can elevate a guy down the depth chart in a pinch, but no one on the current roster seems to be pushing for such a promotion. Even Haig, who wasn't terrible and at times reliable last year, he's got a concussion. LeGlue apparently has been playing pretty well, but boy, they worked awful hard to not promote him during the offseason and last year, right? So I don't know what to expect out of him. The best thing for the Steelers to do may be to scheme around the problem. Then again, weren't they doing that for the last two years of Ben Roethlisberger's career? Sure, that quick-release passing approach was mainly a way for Roethlisberger to protect himself from opposing pass rushers due to his own lack of mobility, but it was also a way to protect the offensive line from having to protect for too long. Now, with more nimble quarterbacks on the roster, the onus may be on Matt Canada to design and call a boatload of design rollouts and bootlegs and moving pocket plays so that his quarterbacks aren't sitting ducks behind a collapsing O-line. Fortunately, an alleged strength of Canada's is exactly that, and apparently skills that Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett possess fit that mold as well. Even Mason Rudolph is more mobile than he gets credit for. Just look at the Detroit game last year in the regular season. Some play action and properly timed jet sweeps and varied personnel alignments may keep the defense on its toes and slow down opponent pass rushes, but the offensive line is occasionally going to have to win in the run game as well to make any of that effective. That's been another problem spot for this unit in recent years. The Steelers' best hope is simply to make what they have better and in a hurry. Here's Tomlin's assessment. You know, it's what we talked about. You know, what enough detail from a fine motor skill standpoint, details relative to their position. They didn't play with enough of an edge individually and collectively. And uh, the things that are on our tape, we got to own. Um, and, 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 and I think they'll be ready to do that. How the Steelers address rebuilding the offensive line in the future may be the first real sign of influence from new assistant general manager Andy Weidel. Perhaps if you look at his roots dating back to when he took his first job with the Steelers as a personnel assistant in the mid-90s. I mean, you might just attach that to Weidel's always going to think like the Steelers anyway. But he has worked with other teams such as the Eagles, Saints, and Ravens. Maybe he'll bring more of a priority to addressing the offensive line early in the draft or at a premium price at the tackle position in free agency. The Steelers haven't drafted a first-round tackle since Jermaine Stevens in 1996 and the Steelers don't often populate that position with top-notch free agents either. The Steelers frequently won division titles and occasionally went to Super Bowls with Roethlisberger helping overachieving offensive lines look above average. But for most of Roethlisberger's career, there was at least a Pro Bowl at center, Jeff Hardings and then Marquise Pouncey, and at least one Pro Bowler at guard with Alan Fanica and then David DeCastro. When Roethlisberger broke the huddle in Super Bowl 40. In his second year, the starting offensive line 
featured two first-round guards in Fanica and Simmons, a first-round center in Hardings, who signed as a fairly high-profile free agent from Detroit before the 2001 season. The tackles were a sixth-year second-rounder in Marvell Smith and a third-rounder in Max Starks. If Pickett eventually starts as a rookie, the only lineman in front of him with a resume close to that will be James Daniels at guard. He was a second-round pick by the Bears in 2018 and signed with the Steelers for $26.5 million this offseason. But he's had struggles adjusting in Pittsburgh. Green and tackle Chooks at core four were mid to late rounders. Green was switched from guard to center and now back to guard again. Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson, those guys are fourth rounders. And center Mason Cole is a 2018 third rounder on his third team in three seasons after signing a three-year deal with a modest $4.5 million signing bonus. Meanwhile, skill position guys such as Pickett and Najee Harris and Fryermuth and Pickens and Chase Claypool are all first or second round picks over the last three drafts. Deontay Johnson was a third rounder, just signed a $36.7 million contract extension. If the Steelers are in 11 personnel, which they were 75% of the time last year, with all six of those guys in the field at the same time, someone is going to be Pickett's fifth option on a regular basis. Meanwhile, the starting offensive linemen are supposed to be on the field and highly functioning for every snap. As formidable as all those skill guys are, and with a defense that has had the highest payroll in football after Minka Fitzpatrick's contract extension in June, it's time for the Steelers to shift focus back to producing high-end offensive line talent. And perhaps Weidel can nudge Tomlin, Omar Khan, and Art Rudy II in that direction. Weidel is on the record as saying, Whatever we can do to implement, bring things, add, enhance, and evolve, we'll do it. Weidel said that during a recent training camp press conference. The offensive line would be a great place to start. Unfortunately, a lot of that will likely have to wait until next year, and they're just going to have to make chicken salad again out of what they've got this year. All right, when we come back, stick around. 30 seconds from now, we will be back on the Pittsburgh CityCast and we're going to talk about college football. One of the biggest underdogs in week zero will come from right here in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that next here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams or back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Try to play our best football game. We're not going to try to do anything else and, you know, see where the ball falls. But we're... Uh, we're there to execute. We're there to play our best game. And I think the guys understand that. We understand that. And um, we're going there to try to win a football game. So that's that's our mentality. Okay, that's Joe Mishler. He is the quarterback of the Duquesne Dukes. Back after an ACL injury that knocked him out in the first game of last year for Duquesne. Uh, Duquesne from the FCS. Mishler back battling with Darius Parentis to win the starting job. I think it'll be Mishler. That gets the start. Uh, that clip from the coaches show on AT&T Sportsnet that I host with Jerry Schmidt, the head coach of the Dukes that you're going to hear from 
in just a second. Duquesne begins this year at Florida State, week zero, Saturday on the ACC Network at 5 o'clock. Duquesne, haven't seen lines on this at Bet Rivers. They're not out yet. The FCS-involved lines usually don't come out until later in the week. But Duquesne was in a game like this last year when they played TCU. In fact, that's when Mishler got hurt, and it was part of the reason Parentis got thrust into the starting lineup is that Mishler got hurt right away. And by the way, Parentis was good. He led the team to a 7-2 and record as a starter, 7-3 and overall for the Dukes last year. And you know, one of the games that they lost, they lost without Parentis in there as a starter because he got banged up too. But at any rate, if you look at that game last year against TCU, it was 45-3 to and the running clock kicked in. So if that happens again this year, you got to keep that in mind when you're looking at the over-under. If you decide you want to have some fun and play the Dukes, it's an encouraging point when they shorten the quarters and had a running clock in the second half if you want to play the under and you think that Duquesne can cover whatever the point spread is, if it's around 40-something. Um, there's no indication to me that Florida State of this year is going to be all that much better or worse than what TCU was last year. They were both 5-7 and seven teams a year ago, and it's not like I look at Florida State right now and say that that seminal team is vastly better or worse than what the TCU club was that Duquesne went up against. So I do think it's a fair barometer, and with Mishler coming back, I think that steadies the offense. Uh, they've got a returning running back in Billy Lucas, They've got returning players on the entire right side of the offensive line. The left side's a little bit new. Um, they lost their really good blocking tight end in Bill O'Malley. I'm trying to think of ways to kind of lean towards the under or keep the game tight between Florida State and Duquesne if you want to make that bet. Ohio, they went there and won last year 28-26. to You remember that? So they're capable of jumping up a level, maybe not to the level of the Power 5, but at least the Mac and getting a win. You know that. They've got a lot of players back on defense. Um, they're switching up, though, defensively to more of a 3-4. New defensive coordinator Mike Craig is in charge now. He learned from Dave Opfar, the longtime coach who was the defensive coordinator and played for him, actually, at Duquesne uh, when they were at St. Francis. They also worked together. So I'm a little nervous about the communication, perhaps, but the returning players that are there are significant for the Dukes. They don't have Spencer DeMetal, the star safety anymore, or Leandro DeBrito. Those guys were really important in the middle of the secondary. Those guys have graduated. In fact, DeBrito got a quick sniff from the Steelers in rookie minicamp. Um, I want to see what the number is. If it's in the neighborhood of 40, and the total is somewhere in the low 50s or high 40s, Go under and maybe take Duquesne, take Duquesne to cover and just have some fun with it. But be smart about it. Let's circle back. Just keep those things in mind. They've got a really good front seven, I think, at Duquesne. Maxi Radechny is a player that I think some NFL teams should take a look at, um, just like they did with Jake Dixon uh, and Christian Kuntz. Uh, I think this guy is a real disturber in the middle and could be a good 3-4 nose. And that's probably part of the reason why they're going to the 3-4 now. Uh, I think he can be that kind of guy. Um, you know, out of a small school, you sometimes see those nose tackles develop from small programs, FCS-level schools. 
they've got Kurzinger now rushing as an outside linebacker, and he was really good in that capacity last year. Todd Hill, the kid from Steel Valley, is a do-everything playmaker. So I think they can suppress the score a little bit on Florida State. Um, their defensive backs are probably going to be overwhelmed physically, but they all played a little bit. One of them is Ryan Webb, who's back. He was an ACC guy at Duke. So I've got some faith that the Dukes might be able to make you a few bucks covering this game on the point spread and maybe keeping the score low enough so that the under holds. But let's take a listen to what Jerry Schmidt has to say. Uh, We'll catch up with him from the Breakfast with Ben's podcast at Trib Live. And this is what Jerry had to say going into the 2022 season for the Dukes and how he profiles the game against Florida State and the quarterback battle, too, plus the change in defensive philosophy for Duquesne as we look forward to Week Zero action on Saturday on the ACC Network. Here's Jerry Schmidt of the Duquesne Dukes. Jerry, how excited are you and your players for this challenge to go and take on a premier program from the ACC? Well, the first thing is we're really excited to uh, get into this season. We've had a long camp. We're playing zero week, which is before most of the teams in the country. We have that opportunity. So we've been in a long camp here. So we're just excited to play football and open up the college season. Uh, There's not many better, many better places in the country to, to start it off, you know, than uh, Doe Campbell. Um, So it's pretty exciting for our guys. You guys played Texas Christian last year, early in the season, to open things up. How much do you think that experience will help those that have done it before that are back with your team now to take on another Power 5 opponent in their building? Well, you hope you learn from that experience, obviously. Playing in that kind of setting, the numbers of people, the size of the stadium, you know, on that stage. Uh, Hopefully, we garnered some information out of that that will bode us well moving forward here into this game and this season um i think the guys enjoyed it the opportunity obviously didn't like the way we played uh so we're gonna we're gonna go try to play our best football um come saturday i remember in advance of that game jerry you and jake dixon both jake dixon the former duke who graduated and was in the steelers camp uh, up in latrobe you were talking about the challenge of facing that kind of athleticism that TCU had. Um, it leapt off the screen, you guys were saying, in scouting. And I think it translated that way as well in the game. Are you seeing the same things from Florida State? And uh, how do you prepare for that this time around? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's a Power 5 program. These guys are phenomenal athletes. Um, we're just working and watching to put ourselves in the best position to be successful with the talents that we have, you know, collectively across the board, offense, defense, and special teams. And then individually, you know, a guy's bigger than you, how are you going to be able to work him to do what you have to do? A guy's a little quicker than you. How are you going to be able to um, cover him or, or set it up for success that you can get yourself open uh, and win some individual battles? So uh, we've been working on that, watching film, uh, working on some things to, you know, put ourselves in the best position to play our, our, our best football. 
Similarly, Jerry, nobody thought you were going to beat Ohio when you went there, another FBS school, but you won that game. It's not the same thing as playing a Power 5 school, but to pull off an upset like that, again, similar question, uh, same church, different pew. How much does that experience help your players as they move forward to this one? Well, I think you learn that when you go in and you play every play, even though you're major underdogs, and that game played out that way. We we played every play. We didn't let any bother us, and we moved forward and just played as hard as we could and as smart as we could. Um, and before you know it, you know, you're in the football game and you're playing well, uh, and you get some breaks. You have an opportunity there at the end of the game. I think that in itself really helped us. I, I think we talked about this. They ran the opening kickoff back for mm-hmm. a touchdown sidelines was like you know 60 minute game doesn't mean anything play your next play and uh as we went along in that game and you know did some good things and um you know recognize that that's how we play football and we were fortunate to get some breaks and we made some breaks and um i think when you take it that way regardless of the opponent uh you give yourself an opportunity to have some successes we talked earlier in the summer. I talked to Keith Dambrot, too, and uh, Dave Harper, the athletic director, about what appears to be a very pointed agenda on behalf of Duquesne to upscheduling and take on challenges like this and the basketball team going to take on Kentucky. Um, how did this game exactly come to pass, Jerry, for those that might not have heard our previous conversation or read about it, but how did the Florida State in particular game, this game, come to pass? Well, that... The, that scheduling is all handled from those guys, from Dave and staff. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe because we were able to play a zero wake, this opportunity came up. You know, Florida State wanted to play a zero game, and they can they can play zero week if they're playing a team that plays in Hawaii. And since we're playing in Hawaii, we're permitted to play that zero week. Um, so I think that's how it all came up. Did you guys as a staff learn anything from the last game against Texas Christian that you can apply for this one in terms of approach, personnel? Um, you know, you had some bad, you had, you had a misfortunate, of course, injury with your quarterback, Joe Mishler, getting hurt there. But from a staff point of view, not so much about the players, but the coaches, what'd you take away from that one? Well, we learned that, how to approach it, you know, even more so and use those examples for our players that we. We lost our quarterback, and it didn't bode well in that game, but we turned around, and the next man up uh, has to be prepared and ready to play. And, you know, Darius went out the next week and won the game against Ohio. And so, you know, we also understand we need to build depth as best we can with the resources we're working with. And so we went after that in the offseason. Some of that depth were some talented young freshmen, incoming freshmen here, and then some of it, came through the transfer portal, some grad transfers and and some transfers uh, that helped us build experience to play against, um, you know, teams of that nature. Mentioned Joe Mishler, the Ohio transfer, got hurt in that game. Darius Parentis, the quarterback who led your team last year, they're both back this year. How do you handle that situation to start the season? First of all, you're thankful that you have two really good quarterbacks. And so, you know, Joe came back. He's healthy. That was the number one thing. He's been working extremely hard uh, on his ACL injury. And uh, he's practiced all camp, and he's ready to go. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. They both have gotten equal reps. Um, They're both ready to go. And, um, 
you know, we'll see how it plays out at this point in time. Um, you know, we haven't made a final decision, um, but coming down the stretch, we'll, we'll decide who's going to start and how many plays they're going to play. I was going to say about how many plays they're going to play uh, for Florida State, Youngstown State, uh, Hawaii. Uh, do you guys use these games as a gauge? Like, will you play both in the same game potentially to see who's playing better for the conference season? I think it's always a possibility. You know, you weigh that out with timing, uh, you know, with the receivers and running the offense. Um, you know, it's um, it's always a challenge, but it's a welcome one when you have talented, multiple talented guys competing at positions and you always need depth through a long football season. Along the offensive line, you return all three starters from the center position out to the right tackle. On the left side, though, you lost Jake Dixon, who I mentioned earlier, and Roman Masick who had one more year of eligibility, went to the WWE. I mean, Jerry, as a coach, you're always used to losing players to the NFL, to graduation, to transfer, but not to the WWE, right? What'd you make of all that? That was a different one. (laughs) Uh, First for me, happy for him, told him that, you know. Uh, Disappointed not getting to coach Roman uh, one more season. He knows that. He's disappointed too, but it was an opportunity he couldn't turn down. Uh, so we wish him the best and um, move forward with our young guys that are, you know, have, we've been developing and working in those spots. And then uh, we've got a couple guys that uh, have joined us as transfers and they're competing and uh, have some experience from some other colleges. And, and that'll help us on that left side. Last thing on offense, the skill position guys. Billy Lucas, a very capable, talented running back coming back. Joey Isabella, uh, one of the wide receivers, a familiar name. But there is some, there's a new quality to a lot of those pass catchers and, and those in the offensive backfield, are there not? Yeah, um, really impressed with how Billy has worked in the offseason. And, um, you know, Joey Isabella is shown since the day he showed up here a couple years ago that he's one of the hardest working players on our football team so um they'll be joined by some depth we've got some young guys and we've got across the board probably six seven eight receivers that are competing to get on the field doesn't matter you know really who walks out there for the start it's competing through the game and doing hustling and doing your assignment catching balls Uh, But we think we have some real good depth that has developed and joined us uh, to play a long football season. On the defensive side, new defensive coordinator Mike Craig. He's certainly got some ties to Duquesne. Uh, His grandfather was the quarterback for the Dukes when they beat Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl in 1937. And Dave Opfar, the former defensive coordinator, he coached under him at St. Francis, correct? Not only coached under Dave, he played four years for Dave at St. Francis, yes. And then uh, Mike, when Dave came here, Mike came along with him, and Mike was with us for four years as a young position coach on defense before he went off and took some coordinator jobs and gained a ton of experience and uh, studied his craft and has done a great job and uh, really fortunate to bring him back uh, here to Duquesne. What will change philosophically with the defense? Uh, they'll they'll base out of an odd front, but they will be very, very moldable. Uh, 
recruited well and played a lot. They're going to play a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he, Mike learned under day, but also has some own, his own thoughts and things he's in, installed. And uh, I think the defense is excited about it. Terminology's changed a little bit of, you know, different base stuff has changed. Um, but the game's still about, you know, tackling and taking the ball away. So there's a big emphasis on that. Um, and that's one thing that I've been impressed with in camp. Well, we appreciate the time, Jerry. Thanks so much. Uh, Florida State on the 27th on Saturday at 5 o'clock, then at Youngstown State and home for Thomas Moore on September the 10th. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing the Dukes play at Art Rooney Field and the Duquesne campus, and uh, best of luck against the Seminoles. Tim, it's always great talking with you. All right, so my thanks to Jerry Schmidt. We'll talk more college football with Mike Pursuta later on in the week. Uh, we are normally going to tape up Mike on Fridays. You might have to angle that a little bit this week because of Mike Tomlin's press conference. That news kind of threw scheduling out of whack a little bit. Uh, we'll figure that out as the week goes along, but we will have another CityCast for you on Thursday and Friday, a uh, day off tomorrow, and uh, we are back for editions three and four for the week Uh, to close out the week that we get into the weekend, the first weekend of college football action. And uh, I will let you know when that Duquesne line posts. Oh, before we go, um, let's look at Pitt in West Virginia. Let's see where that one has settled in. It's at six and a half right now in favor of Pitt. That's almost exactly where I would put it. If you made it go over the touchdown, uh, I might try buying a point back down under. I, I think Pitt wins by about a touchdown in this one. The over-under at 51 and a half. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a sloppy offensive game, to be honest with you. Uh, I can see that one being in the high 40s. I wouldn't go into the 50s, though. I lean towards the under at minus 118. And it is a little bit more pricey to get the under than the over at minus 103. But we'll investigate that a little bit closer uh, we'll see also what happens when Pat Narduzzi officially names his starter. I think it'll be Keaton Slovis, and that's the case, and I don't think it'll affect things at all because I believe that's what the anticipation is at this point. Pitt is at plus 1,200 to win the ACC. Clemson is in minus territory, not surprising, at minus 167. Miami at plus 450. NC State at plus 700. Pitt has a really good and favorable schedule uh, that I think will allow them to perhaps play in the championship game again against Clemson. Um, I think Pitt's got a good value right now at plus 1,200. I don't know if Clemson at minus 167, you know, minus territory to win a conference tickles your fancy, but yeah, this is the ACC and they are Clemson. So I I would get it if you went in that direction, but I, I don't think that's bad value at all to bet on the Panthers uh, nor is it terrible value, honestly, to go with Miami at plus 450. All right, uh, more on that to come, though, as we get closer to Saturday action and uh, the Labor Day weekend. Thursday is when the Panthers play against the Mountaineers for September the 1st, Thursday night football at Akershire Stadium in the Backyard Brawl. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. I'm Tim Benz. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com.